I can't remember an election when there has been such a yawning chasm between the two possible futures for this country. America first. America first. What we are against is the teaching of contested political ideas as if they are accepted facts. The British are too big to bully. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. This is the last stand on earth. The last stand on earth. So, hello and welcome back to the other view. Uh, we've got another exciting episode uh, coming up today, um, looking at of why young people seem to be so overwhelmingly left-wing. Um, we're very excited to be joined by Jack Ross. Um, he's the Chief Operations Officer at Turning Point UK. Um, so, yeah, just... Do you mind uh, just sort of introducing who you are, um, what you what you do, um, and sort of a bit of your background, how you got into politics, if that's okay, please? Yeah, sure. So, um, as I said, I'm Jack Ross, uh, the Chief Operating Officer at Turning Point UK. I've had this role for just over two years now, um, but I've been involved in politics. I'm 23 now. I've been involved in politics from the age of 14, um, starting off sort of leafleting for different MPs, working my sort of way up the Conservative Party. I set up some young Conservative organizations uh, across the south um, and continue that university but I think my real drive for getting into politics was seeing so I'm from Portsmouth originally and just really seeing the community in Portsmouth start to die Um, when I was a child we had sort of the remnants of how Britain used to be a good sense of community everyone would look out for each other and it wasn't perfect there was still crime it was still dodgy elements of society but it was a much better community feeling Um, but that really died as I got older and it was more apparent um, from when I went to university and then came back to Portsmouth. Every time I come back, there'd be more homeless people. There'd be more um, drug addicts passed out in the street. It was really quite sad. Um, and I, as I say, I've seen that from first of all that around the age of, sort of 13, 14. And I thought I've got to start doing something, even at the basic stage, just handing out leaflets, um, trying to force some sort of change. And that's really sort of pushed me so far as to try and rebuild a sense of community in the UK. Um, I want to get to the stage where we're all united behind the flag. Um, Again, lots of people live in a street, they don't know their neighbours, they wouldn't go to their neighbours for help. But I really just want to return to that sort of almost quintessential British idea of community. Yeah, then that's good. I think um, um, I think the last sort of 12 months have definitely, I know we've spoken to neighbours on my like my street that we normally wouldn't uh, interact with as, as well sort of thing, especially when the, the clapping was going on. You met people that you hadn't really spoken to before. I think that's a... Certainly one good thing to come out of the last 12 months, I think. Yeah, and I guess we've seen it as well where you've had like, not in every area, but in some area, like local kids going out and delivering food parcels to elderly people who might have been a bit scared of going outside. Um, sort of local pubs and local restaurants coming together, again, creating cheap, affordable menus for the vulnerable and the elderly. So that, as you said, the one good thing to come out of COVID is it has reinforced the sense of community. And hopefully when all this is is hopefully a distant memory, fingers crossed by the end of the year, will continue that sense of community um, and really push forward. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, so as we've as we've said, the, the episode, um, we're going to look at sort of why young people are, are left-wing um, and uh, sort of what they what we can do to, um, to work against that sort of thing. Um, so I guess the first question... Um, to open up the floor would be sort of so like why are young people um, uh, left wing really because um, it's un- like the the vast majority of pe- young people are um, 
that's where Labour's voting base has, seems to come from nowadays. Um, so, yeah, there we go. So why are young people left-wing? Okay, um, yeah, I think it. I'm a bit biased in saying this, because obviously we're an organisation which sort of deals with bias in education, but I think the education is the main issue with young people. I think from a young age, you're hit with left-wing propaganda at school. To, to the extent, is that bad? I'm thinking... If I have kids, hopefully in the near future, do I want them growing up in this country where they're just going to be programmed to hate right wingers from school? You get it from a young age, you get syllabuses changed, um, people told to question their gender identity at age eight, a BBC program that went out in lockdown, right. telling children, people in sort of junior school, that there are more than a hundred genders. It's it's frankly ridiculous. And then if you're not you're not a leftist or a rampant leftist, blue haired sort of face piercings by the time you finish school. You will be by the time you finished university because you get the double dose. Um, but there's no Ofsted at university. There's no investigations there. It's people, lecturers are openly Marxist. And I just find it ridiculous how an ide ideology which is as bad as Nazism, and again, we rightly condemn Nazism in our society, but you have communism is openly celebrated by lots of academics and Marxist societies are allowed at universities, despite the over 100 million people Marxism has killed worldwide. But again, I think in wider society, if you came out as an out-and-out -out communist, um, you'd probably be ostracised from your community because people wouldn't want to associate with you. Um, but at university, is actively encouraged and people live in these bubbles where they think these beliefs, these extreme beliefs are okay. Um, they're being funded by the student union to go to demos, um, getting funding to bring in controversial left-wing speakers. It's just incessant brainwashing, which has led to a lot of people becoming left-wing. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, talking about my personal schooling experience, I mean, it was definitely left wing. And I think like without my parents, I probably would have been left wing too. I don't know if that's something you would necessarily agree with or like if, if it's kind of universal for all students in the UK because there's no pride to be British. I, I didn't feel that when I was when I was growing up. We didn't really ever sing the national anthem. We didn't ever have the flag flying and I'm really glad about that thing that's coming and now we're going to have flags seeing more flags which is great but um I don't know there was never kind of that instilled in us that you get from us in other countries where, where they're proud to be Spanish or French or whatever I don't know if this comes off the back of us being, being guilty for our past and especially um, not to be that person but especially being English we get that as well um but yeah, so I know you're, you're are you half Scottish? Yeah. Hey, um, so yeah, half Scottish, a little bit Irish as well. So a bit of a blend of Britain, but not Welsh, not, not the full combo. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose like just being British in general, like, there's no pride left in our heritage in, in the education system. There's definitely a lack of it. And, and I work in a school, so I kind of see it even currently today, like, you never really we, we learn about Britain but we don't learn to be proud about who we are I don't know if like your schooling would have kind of gone down the same route or you know yeah, yeah well again I went to um a public school and again you'd expect that to be very conservative um and again yeah. sort of lots of both people sort of ticks all the boxes to be conservative as such um a very old school so it's like found in 1732 strong military history um, as I said, it, it again, if sort of wealthy people's kids go, but they were all, the vast majority, rampant socialists, both in the teaching staff and in the student 
based. I remember there was um, a socialist society set up um, where they, again, it wasn't even social, it was essentially communism because they had a poster with like Chairman Mao on, Stalin, Lenin, all of those things. Even the economics teacher, um, she used to have sort of communist posters up in her economics classroom, which again, didn't make sense in a fee paying school. Um, because <laughs> it just doesn't doesn't make sense at all. Um, but then we set up a um, a capitalist society, and we put posters up around the school. We had permission to do it, and we were called into the um, second master's office and shouted at, being told, "Why have we done this? We're embarrassing the school. We're bringing it into disrepute." He said, "You've got posters up of Mao, Stalin, and Lenin, and you're telling us we had, we had put a picture of Thatcher up. Apparently, that was extreme. You know, a British prime minister is apparently more extreme." than communist dictators who killed hundreds of millions of people between them. Um, and it's, it's incredibly frustrating um, that this is the case. And it's, it's all throughout, again, it's not, there was a bit of sort of naval pride because of the history of the school, but I feel like a lot of that was more pageantry rather than people, again, as you said, people aren't explained to why they should be proud to be British. They're not told why the country's good. We might have a few remembrance services, but there's no context to it. It's just turn up, shut up for two minutes um, and then go back to lessons. It's not, like you should celebrate these people because they were awesome people who many of them gave their lives for us to be here today. They're, they're the reason we're not speaking German, but we're not, we're not told that. Um, no. And then since I left, it's just got even more downhill from what I've heard. And they keep badgering me to give them money, but I just, <laughs> not a chance <laughs> at this stage. Um, good, so yeah. Classic socialism, asking for money rather than generating it. Than <laughs> yeah. Socialism is all well and good until the money runs out. Exactly. <laughs> Does anybody um, have, have any kind of schooling experiences? That um, I was going to comment on the, nas the national anthem, which is interesting how we don't sing the British national anthem, but obviously in Wales, we do sing the Welsh national anthem. Um, so it's sort of, I think I've said this before, um, it sort of will uh, celebrate everything unless it's Britain, unless it's Union Jack, unless it's tied to our history in any way, but it's fine to celebrate Welsh identity but not British identity. Yeah, I just my experience anyway. It's just sort of loosely connected, but um, when I was in like year nine, we had to analyse an article from The Guardian that said, be in no doubt Brexit will harm the NHS. And, you, and on this flag thing, you, you drive through Europe, um, I was in Spain last year, and they have these huge Spanish flags all down the streets, and you think, we'd never do that in this country. Mm. Well, I think it's... Um... Scotland, people in Scotland, they fly their flag proudly. Um, people in Wales fly their flag proudly. People in England fly their flag, and then you have Labour MPs like <laughs> Emily Thornbury start criticising them on Twitter for for flying something as simple as the the English flag. And I think that's the English, yeah. The English flag is is such a controversial symbol now, yeah. isn't it? It's, just, it's okay yeah. to be a nationalist as long as you're not English. That's the general rule. Well, I'm British even now. Oh. You know what I mean? It's even gone that far where you can't even fly the British flag really without being yeah. controversial in some way. So it's just kind of normalising that again, I suppose. Which yeah, incredibly, incredibly frustrating. And I do not so much understand, but I understand why um, politicians have been scared of the Union Jack or the England flag for a long time because it was hijacked by far-right groups. Yeah. But the way to count, counter that is not run away from it like it's a hate symbol because that reinforces it's their flag, not our flag. It's standing with it and getting as many people as possible to stand with it. And then it's these dickheads have stolen our flag rather than, oh, it's only used by extremists. 
that yeah. that should be the way in which we should be looking at things rather than being scared because random people use it. Um, and yeah, going back to your point about Wales, I find sort of Welsh independence um, very interesting because a lot of sort of Welsh income is, again, it, it takes in more money than it puts in the UK. Um, but that's great because, again, Wales is a great part of the UK. Um, but it's also heavily reliant on tourism. And it's the same as Scotland. It's, and even Northern Ireland to a degree, they're all largely dependent on England. But they have this idea of independence, which doesn't really make any sense because they'll be unable to sustain themselves. If Scotland can't sustain itself definitely like what's Wales going to do without being rude in terms of being a a country which can stand up and compete in the world like maybe 100 200 years ago sure but in the modern world it would become just another irrelevant country which would probably get taken advantage of by Russia China even potentially American interests or European interests and people don't understand we're stronger together but if one of um our four elements of the UK breaks off um it's going to make us a laughing stock on the world stage and so Britain's world states will go down and whatever country declares independence is not going to be seen as this amazing new nation. It's just going to be seen as something people can take advantage of. Mm. No, definitely. Um, and I think it's something we've touched on in that little discussion is sort of the, the idea that it seems to be um, a much more recent thing that um, young people have started being like so left wing. Um, but I think if you look back at sort of the past sort of 60, 70 years, um, it's um, certainly not with the, the hippies opposing um, the Vietnam War in America um, or the um, nuclear nuclear weapons, things like that. I just wondered if anyone had anything to, to say about the sort of the, the, the length of time that young people have been left wing. I think it boils down to just a lack of world experience. It was the same in Chairman Mao's revolution. He had the students hang or beat their lecturers to death. Um, because I think students can be a bit more impressionable and are a bit more sort of vulnerable to extremist ideology where they haven't had a real world experience. Um, it's the same, you look, it's the same with the far left as it was the far right. You had a far right group called National Action, um, again, a prescribed group because they're sort of horrible neo-Nazis, but they were largely made up of students. And because they hadn't had the wider experience, it was easier to radicalize them against certain groups of people because they might not have known as many people um, of a different racial background. They might have been they're more susceptible to this propaganda because they don't have an understanding of the world. And it's the same on the left. You get these communists who come from very nice backgrounds, um, champagne socialists, um, who are saying, yeah, tax the rich, um, hang the rich and everything. And it's like, well, you grew up in a three million pound house in central London. You get a two grand expenditure from your parents every month. And you're saying, F the bourgeoisie or whatever. It doesn't make any sense. It's just, they're not grounded in reality. I think it's um, partially a sense of guilt. I think they feel guilty. They possibly had a good life when we do have real poverty in the UK, but rather seek for a actual solution to that, which is capitalism, encouraging private business, um, encouraging people um, to advance through generational change. Um, they go for destructive pandering stuff, which feels good, but doesn't work, such as more benefits for people um, or taxing the rich extensively rather than as they're looking at making other people rich. It boils back to that old Thatcher saying they'd rather have the poor poorer and the rich less rich um, than the poor rich and the rich richer. You know, so it's it's again, I'd say naivety and lack of world experience is why young people are susceptible to extremist ideologies. Yeah, I think um, I think as well, like the fact that we haven't had a well, the last time we had a, a proper war, <laughs> I want to say with quotation marks, was obviously like 
World War Two, where we kind of felt that. And then since then, it's kind of like bred this weakness in the in these following generations, where it's it's kind of led them to not know what hardship really is. So they do turn to these kind of. I, I never like bashing people on the left because it's like I'm as young as them so it's like do I know better I don't know but but it seems like they've come to kind of different conclusions that as you say kind of don't make sense and they sound good but they don't actually make change they don't actually help poor people they just they're just these sound bites kind of thing and that so for me that kind of comes from the fact that we are so lucky we live in such a good society and people then just take that for granted and think you know it's always going to be like this which isn't that war can as you know it can come like that so <laughs> I don't know if that kind of makes sense but that's at least what I've what I kind of take from it, that war breeds war breeds weak people and I'm oh, sorry war breeds breeds like hardy people and then these hardy people who experienced it breed kind of weak generations again and then it kind of yeah, it's, it's a saying, soft times, uh, good times create soft men, hard times create, I guess, hard men as such. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I had a Nigerian friend and it's something he said, which always stuck with me, he said, you don't get any of this gender fluid nonsense in Nigeria. People are too busy surviving day to day. It's just like Western complacency where we've got too comfortable with a soft lifestyle. Um, where people are content and then they're bored and so they think how can I be special how can I stand out how can I have attention how can I be edgy and then they start going down these pathways and some of it is by again dyeing their hair blue getting loads of face piercing some of it's being like oh my, I'm a man one day I'm a girl the next day again not bashing transgender people this is just I, again no issue with trans people but the gender fluid sort of nonsense we have to hear is ridiculous um, again happy for you to choose one or the other but you can't just start flip-flopping between the two on a whim um, but yeah, no, I think you're right as well. It's, it's, it's certainly soft times. You've got a generation who thinks they solved racism by posting a black square on Instagram for one day. Um, and it's, it's, it's just baffling how brainwashed people are or just virtue signaling as well. They don't want real action. They want easy things they can do, which makes them feel good so they can bury their head in the sand and not deal with the root of the problem. Um, it's the same, lots of people have said with the refugee crisis, um, people like Gary Lineker, um, he thought he solved the refugee crisis by letting a refugee stay in his house for like three months. And then he was like, yeah, you can go home after the few months, you know, it's like, well, no, it's not what people experience. You know, if you put a refugee up for life, I think most people would say, you know what, fair play. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just these temporary fixes rather than looking at long term solutions. Um, and I think that's what makes us sort of different as conservatives is, again, while still maybe young, there's still lots I'm sure I don't know. Um, but I hope I've got a bit more of a grasp on life than the left by this stage, but who knows? Um, certainly it's just looking at reality more. I think that's the key thing which sets us apart. Cause it would be great to live in a world where it's all rainbows and unicorns and Jeremy Corbyn's given us free broadband and free everything. <laughs> but um, the re harsh reality is that would kill business which has jobs, which creates problems. And then someone's got to pay for it, but there's no jobs and no business because you killed it through stupid nationalization schemes. Mm. And then I guess as well, there's, um, going back to like the war um when when a country's at war there's a there's a common enemy so to speak that you everyone is yeah. working towards a single goal to try and defeat what in second world war the germans 
Whereas now we haven't got that. So everyone, they, people turn on themselves. They, they have to find somebody to, to, to bash and to work against. Um, and it just, now it's their neighbor or their, their ex friend, um, or just people who disagree with them. Yeah, hundred percent. It's. I think we see that with the culture war. Um, I think humankind, and particularly young men, for example, I think there's a natural aggression and energy there, um, which, if not funneled down the right routes, can lead to division. It's the same in women as well. It's also people wanting to do something with their lives as well. I think a lot of people get to the stage 18, 19 and have a bit of an existential crisis because uh, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Um, and instead of Again, and this is partially where I think society's let some people down because we don't have a lot of positive things you can channel your energy in when you're younger. Certainly when I was a student, most extracurricular activities were sort of drinking or clubbing. You know, uh, there's not great, there are projects out there, but they aren't widely advertised enough. And I'm a big advocate of a, um, a national service and not in the sense of just military, something where you, ha you have the option to do something in the military or you can go on a volunteer project. So even if you feel like you have a not amazing life the rest of your life, you can look back on that year where you might have volunteered for a village in Africa. You might have even filling in potholes, working in your community, helping Britain succeed. Yeah. You can feel part of that society um, rather than just sort of going along, not really having achieved anything and no, no real direction. No, definitely, definitely. That's interesting what you said, actually. It's a good, I've never, well obviously heard of national service but like kind of yeah that's, that's a good idea I, again, it's, I think lots of young people feel like they aren't part of society and so we need to again it's one issue why they're so left-wing because they they're not getting houses anymore you're getting people in their 30s still living in their parents basements um so you've got to make them feel part of society society so set up schemes like national service schemes where they help their community uh um, help like with um, right to buy sort of schemes or first buyer schemes to help them get on the property ladder give them a stake in society and they will be more patriotic they'll be more British but if they're left to be radicalized at university and school by left-wingers then have a not great sort of 20s life they may be working a rubbish job then they're not on the property ladder they don't have a lot of material yeah. wealth they are probably going to be angry leftists um, because what else have they got? And so we, that's our job so as conservatives um, and even the government's job to a degree is to provide an alternative for people and provide people a stake in society. No, I think that, that yeah, no, I agree. I think that leads well into the sort of the next part of the discussion. Um, sort of how, because obviously we've spoken a lot about the, the fact that young people are, but how, as people on the right, how do we engage people on the left how do we um without being to, well yeah exactly how do you how do you have a conversation with someone on the left without them labeling you with isms phobias and just bigger um how do you how can we win them over i guess yeah i think the key thing you said there is obviously the labels they throw at you and i think it's having confidence in your argument and belief that you're not a racist, you're not a homophobe, you're not a transphobe. And if you know that you've not said anything along those lines um, and you don't actually believe that, you've got nothing to fear because the insults or the mud won't stick to you. Um, again, I think you've got to be very clued up when you're debating with leftists and you've got to learn sort of the, the woke terms that they refer to sort of people as like BAME people. Um, gave you, uh, use the correct terminology when you're referring to people because I think when cultural differences um, 
can lead to them like trying to catch because like the classic one is people of color someone said colored people the other day and got cancelled for that actually two very similar words one's obviously not socially acceptable and one is the latest woke term um and so you've got to know your stuff inside and out um and then have confidence in yourself because if you're not saying anything you're using their terminology to a degree so they can't catch you out on it then they have to just fault your arguments because leftists will try everything we get it with our videos in turning point we can do a great video and we had one guy, for example, when we started out, he did a video, but his bed was unmade in the background. Um, that video was perfect. hundred lefties in the comment, make your bed, make your bed, make your bed. And it just detracts oh, from what okay. you're trying to do. But you sort of take that, that philosophy and that logic to life. Um, you know, if your argument is watertight and they can't critique you on anything, they have to start coming from the argument. And a lot of the time, you'll see it with us and telling you, when we do a video and it's like 100% perfect, uh, which is most of the time we don't get angry lefties or we get people critiquing appearance and stuff because they can't comprehend the argument. But in life, you won't get a lefty if you are trying to engage with them and you do sort of give them some hard facts, so to speak. They aren't going to go, oh, you ginger prick or something to me. You know, they just um, they sort of stand there and they internalize it a bit. And you can see they don't like what they're hearing, um, but you've had the confidence and you've had the sensibility to be able to put it across to them in a reasonable manner. Um, and then I'd say the other way to do it is you've got to go a bit with the shock factor. You've got to, like again, at but we've got like signs with Thatcher on and we'll go out. At, sort of, we've done it at the University of Manchester. And we got spat on in Manchester uh, for having posts of Thatcher out. But it's that shock factor. We did the same in Cardiff. We had posts of Thatcher and people got a bit aggressive with us. But again, I wouldn't recommend doing it on your own. Make sure you've got a buddy you've got the camera because lefties don't like being made famous if they are <laughs> inappropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, um but you do have to go in hard and not compromise on your beliefs. And then someone might come up to you, oh, Thatcher's disgusting. So well, name a policy you don't like of Thatcher's. And they, you know, they, they can't comprehend it. They say, oh, she's nasty. She, she's X, Y, and Z. And if you're just solid in your argument, you've got that initial shock factor to sort of draw them in. But if you can sort of put down their false assertions, um, then you've got a good chance of converting them or at least planting the seed. And even if you can't convert them, sorry, last thing I'll say, um, even if you can't convert them, uh, um, you have the chance to convert the audience. So usually when we do these university stands, we amass a crowd. And that lefty, you may never change their mind. They might be sort of drunk a lot of the lefty Kool-Aid, so to speak. Um, and so you're never going to convince them. Uh, they might be an ardent socialist. We had one at University of Sussex who kicked off out of everything. We had Thatcher out there. He said, I don't like poster socialism sucks. I'm a socialist and that's disgusting and offensive. And I was like, well, it's pretty tame at everything we could say. Um, but, and he was like probably in my face as well. So, But anyway, um, you're probably never going to convince him, but you may convince the audience who might be umming and erring who haven't heard your arguments and then you just sow the seed. Um, so yeah, that would be my two cents on that. No, definitely. And I think, um, what was it? I think it's another Margaret Thatcher quote is when, when people have no political arguments left, they then sort of turn to, to name calling. And I think if exactly. if someone if someone is calling you bigot, homophobic, transphobic, sexist, racist, then it just means that they haven't um, got an argument to make. I think it's a mm. you've uh, you've almost won before you've started sort of thing. If someone turns to being offensive, they clearly don't know how to counteract being challenged. Yeah, I think um, as well, like in when you do meet kind of people on the left they are so rarely challenged by knowledgeable people on the right that they 
they haven't built up that argument. Do you know what I mean? They haven't ever had to build up that argument other than saying you're a racist or you're you're transphobic or whatever it may be. And they've been able to get away with it for so long they've got lazy. So there is an easy kind of pathway for you to then say, why? Why am because X, Y, and Z, and I've actually done my research. Um, so so some so sometimes I mean that can embarrass them, I suppose, because then they think, oh whoa, whoa, hold on. This person isn't actually, I can see that they're not racist, but I'm going to have to keep calling them racist because that's the only argument I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's true. And especially coming from a straight white male, they just can't, they can't do it, can they? Sometimes. Well, I've um, heard that before where, again, we were at one and someone, I was like, how are the British police racist? And they said, oh, Mark Duggan. I said, well, if the only example, I say, I disagree with you because I don't think he was shot because he was black. I think he was shot because he was a drug dealer who had a gun at the time in 20 we started the 2010 riots um and i said if that's the best example you've got of the police being racist a 10 year old case surely they're not racist then and then that was our oh, racist this racist that and the other but they, they couldn't come back on it you, you just got to hit them hit them with the facts and question what they say when they say society's racist say how so you're homophobic how just keep asking them questions um and they tend to trip themselves up because they're not well versed as you said um they're not used to they're used to living in their echo chambers the only interaction they may have with right-wingers is probably sort of right-wing 14-year-old trolls online where they're just at each other all day rather than actual discourse. Um, and then when you have someone who comes across as reasoned um, and sensible, um, th they don't know how to comprehend it. Yeah, definitely. No, I agree. And I think when, I mean, sorry, just to buy no, yeah. um, <laughs> like when I post stuff on social media, because I mean, for... I mean, a good few years now, I'm kind of been known as like that that right wing person, like in my school or in my friendship group or whatever. Um, I've had people, you know, unfollow me, but then you also get people confiding in you about things, you know, for different things, saying either I agree with you, but I'm not going to post it myself, but I agree with you. So it's just stuff like that where you think, okay, there are young people on the right who are sil also silently on the right, like a lot of adults are. I mean, it might be less in young people, but there still are definitely young people on the right who just don't want to say they're on the right. So you just got to keep kind of posting with reason and with kind of facts and logic and whatever and with conviction. But some people are going to like it. Some people won't. Yeah, it's just being fair and reasoned in what you're sharing. You know, it's something... Again, I've done training for my work. And the key thing they said is trolling the left can be fun, but is it helpful? I think that's where a lot of people slip up when they're younger because they share controversial stuff just because they know they're going to get a load of screaming lefties. Um, but they don't realise the damage that that does because it just reinforces the, the sort of oh, all right-wingers are horrible, nasty people. And so it's trying to encourage people not to get involved in sort of petty fights online, not to share controversial means for the sake of sharing it, not to engage in personal insults. We've always got to be upstanding individuals. Um, and it's just getting that, that message across to people because again, all it takes is for, again, one person to have a negative interaction with a right winger, and then they're probably going to hate them for years and years and years. Um, and you do get lots of crazies out there on all sides. Um, but I think most of us are sensible um, or don't post anything, as you said. And so it's just keeping and preaching to your audience, preaching to your friends who are right wing, that just to be, when you're discussing politics, to be well presented, well versed and mindful of what you say. Yeah, definitely. And definitely, so I guess having a certain amount of uh, 
tact sort of thing. So not um, being inflammatory and outrageous intentionally um, because you just lose people's attention and... um, Or it just becomes a spectacle. If you do a stand where you're handing out leaflets and all it is is you having a screaming match with some ardent commie, you're both going to look like fools. Everyone's just going to be sort of tuning in like it's an episode of EastEnders or something, you know, <laughs> sitting there with popcorn saying, loving the row. Um, but actually, if you're there and you're just sort of very calm and well-presented and this guy's kicking off, people aren't thinking you're both the spectacle. They're thinking, look at this nutter having a shout at this nicely presented person who's just trying to calm him down. Um, I feel a bit sorry for him. And then also lefties are probably thinking, I don't want to be associated with these crazies. You know, I think that's a big feeling amongst the left at the moment. That's something we do a lot at Turning Point is we do try and expose how bad the far left is. Because, again, while I think you're wrong, I don't have a huge um, issue with the centre left. I said they're wrong, but they're not radicals. And I think they do, they go about it the wrong way, but they do have some of the country's best interests at heart. Um, But I think the far left are nasty. They believe in using political violence. They believe in intimidation. They believe in bullying. Um, they contact your employer over things you said online. That they're, they're not nice people. They're not good people. Even like with Lawrence Fox, some lefties called the police on him, saying he was breaking coronavirus legislation. And because they filed that report, he had a police visit. And again, you don't hear about conservatives doing that sort of thing. Um, and so our key key thing as well is just highlighting how bad the far left and saying to people, do you really want to be associated with these people? Um, because that's what's happening. And we get told, oh, you're a bit harsh, you shouldn't brand all the left together. But until the centre-left call out the communists, until they call out the Marxists, the Antifa, uh, the BLM, Extinction Rebellion, they're all, you know, different different faces of the same coin. Um, again, we do it on the right. We actively, I think I've done it on this call, actively call out the far right, distance ourselves from extremists because they do not represent us. The left do not do that. The centre-left allow Marxists, they allow them to walk around with communists flags um you know it's even momentum and that momentum was supporting the riots in bristol uh the bristol momentum tweeted in favor of it um and there was no widespread outcry in the labor party and so really until they start distancing themselves in my eyes they're all really as bad as each other um and it should be there should be nothing wrong with saying you condemn political violence even bloody david lammy came out and said he condemned it he was pretty much as left-wing as you can get in labor um but lots of them didn't which was very frustrating yeah, no, I think... Oh, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, Labour, <laughs> Labour don't um, condemn that side of politics the way that, I suppose, the moderate right or right condemn the far right is, is because they know that that's their voter base, really. Now, who have they got left other than these these kind of left to far left people, really, especially modern Labour, like after Jeremy Corbyn's stint, as leader who who have they got left they've kind of alienated i mean we've talked about this before on the podcast but like they've kind of alienated their core voter base and a lot of those seats are now turning blue and and blue strongholds starting to be blue strongholds you know they they kind of they're treading on eggshells as it is labor but i suppose that's why they haven't um, called them out as much as we have the far right Mm. Well, that's the issue you've had with Labour. I was having this discussion with um, Paul Embury, who's um, part of Blue Labour. So there's sort of the last bit of sensible Labour, like sort of Labour, how it would have been 50, 60 years ago. Um, so when it was still patriotic, um, still wrong economically, I'd say, but with their hearts sort of in the right place. Um, 
but he was saying it's just it's, it's a party which caters to students and they've lost a lot of their core because they've t- told most of their core which was essentially the white working class for a long time they said you're all a bunch of racist transphobes and we want your kids to be gender fluid and, you know it's just all, all of this nonsense um they've pushed on people who again middle england who who it doesn't really run with they, they're preaching student politics to working people um they're saying oh white people are oppressors and you've got white privilege and it's like as lee anderson said try telling his people down in i think I believe it's um mansfield um try telling people in mansfield that they've got white privilege when they've got one of the lowest um university attendance rates they live in almost absolute poverty um, but they're more privileged than sort of someone who might be of colour who's born in Sussex or Surrey or Hampshire. You know, it's just it's it's pretty ridiculous um, what they're doing. But that's, that's I think what Labour's got wrong. They're living in this fantasy student world. It's it's very much a double-edged sword with their and their growth of the youth because I think the Conservatives have almost accepted to a degree. Sure, you can monopolise on the youth, but you're never going to be in power again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly it's, it's an interesting situation we've got ourselves in at the moment definitely should we uh well i think the next question is we kind of want to bring turning point into this and how well what is turning point doing or what's your aim at turning point uk to kind of turn turn more people (laughs) i don't want to say turn but you know i mean like kind of make more people open to right-wing views at least because at the moment i mean as we've spoken about it's kind of like no, <laughs> not allowed to have them, or you're, you know, ousted if you do. Yeah, I feel like I've got to make a turning point pun at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, it's certainly. I think our um, our main aim is to provide provide hope to a lot of people. Um, or one of our main aims because lots of I personally believe about twenty five percent of young people are right leaning, fifty percent are left leaning, and twenty five percent care more about sort of YouTube, TikTok, football, whatever than politics so they're just not interested um and so our job really is to speak for people who struggle to speak for themselves they might be in a position where all their friends are left-wing they've seen them like savage right-wing friends or exclude right-wing friends and feel like they're completely isolated i get so many people messaging me or messaging in on the turning point account saying thank you for doing what you do because we thought we were the only people who thought this way um when actually we're the majority you know the majority of the country votes for right-leaning parties but we have to have to hide away from that um and it's frustrating that in a country where socialism communism is a minority um again a large minority but still the minority political belief that we have to pander to them so much we have to be so scared of saying i'm a capitalist i'm a conservative when it was capitalism and conservatism which built this country which in my opinion is the best country on the planet then we get people risking their lives crossing um the british channel the English Channel to come into into Britain because our country is so amazing and it's really really sad to see so many people um, hate on us really people who've benefited from our country people who've grown up in this country um, so we're here to provide an alternative to that um, and also to try and end the bias in education um, which can only be done sort of again how do you get rid of ignorance is more more education more information so we try and um, provide easy to consume political narratives um, as well as easily shareable content um, which um, will help people reach others or might be that might help them convey their political viewpoints a bit better we um, run blogs um, we we do videos and we try and frame things in a narrative for people who might be 
politically ignorant, but they want to regurgitate what we're saying. We try and frame it in a simplistic, easily yeah. to consume way so they can repeat those arguments to others. Um, again, outside of lockdown, because we have shifted a bit more digital in the past year or so, um, we want to get back to doing stands in universities because I think that's it's so powerful for people at university who, yeah, most universities, they've got the rainbow flag up, they've got the trans flag, they've got the pride flag, they've got the um, uh, Palestinian flag, they've got the EU flag, they've got every flag except our bloody national flag up. Um, and it's then having these flags up, um, I, I don't think to show solidarity, I think they're doing it to show this is a left-wing campus, that's why we're flying these, these are the flags of the left. Um, so again, I've got no issues with trans people, gay people, whatever, but the flags have been appropriated by the left to show leftism beliefs. Um, so we do our stands on campus with our conservative and um, uh, capitalist ideas, materials to provide, again, more hope and also to make a stand against this indoctrination on our campuses. Um, and we really encourage students to do the same. We, we do training sessions for students so they can learn how to successfully, um, we call it tabling, um, how to, we give away activism kits for free. Um, so providing we chat to people and check, they're not just ordering it to put it in the bin, which lefties do try and do. But it's usually quite quite blatant when they're doing it. So they, they don't even try fake names. They do it like Joseph Stalin ordered one of your kids. You know, it's like if you're going to do it, make a bit more of an effort because uh, we're not dumb. Um, but yeah, it's I'd say that's what we're doing. Is really trying to end the educational bias, um, provide hope, and provide a different narrative to what people are currently being brainwashed or attempted to be brainwashed with. And I guess um, as if you were a leftist, it's very easy to um, avoid sort of the the right wing part of twitter or the the right wing um information online whereas on a university campus it's much harder to to avoid when the the, the person you're trying to avoid is stood right in front of you with a table i guess um definitely um i think one of the fun things about turning point two is we're not party political um so we're able to go in from a new angle and lots of people do know us but lots of people are unaware Sort of turning point in ways. If you go on a campus in a conservative, um, they might have watched some of our stuff online, but they might not be aware of the brand. But you go on it with a conservative um, table or a UKIP or a Brexit party, probably not UKIP anymore because they've gone a bit nuts, but Brexit party table, for example, um, you you probably get sort of booed or egged off campus. I know when UKIP was more in the acceptable remit before Nigel Farage left, the UKIP society at my university um, a few years before I was there, they got pelted with eggs at their freshers' fair. Um, and that's unfortunately one of the, as I said, before they went nuts, so Nigel Fried was still there. Um, but um, it's it's handy with turning books where we aren't a political party, uh, we're able to reach a lot of people and sign a lot of people up um, So and get their contact details, get, get them to hold up our posters, and people who may not engage with political parties because of negative stigma, where we're quite a new, fresh organisation, we don't have the stigma attached to it again when people think of t young conservatives for example people think of like kids in suits looking like little jacob reese mocks um which is not the case at all you know these people come in all shapes and sizes but it's unfortunately that's the stereotype but we're turning where well, we're we've only been around for two, two years we've really tried to reinvent the narrative um which we've been having gone going from success to success like again i i judge success by how much the left dislikes you and we had the head of navara media tweet out yesterday he was concerned by our facebook growth and he thinks it's a very professional effort and i was like <laughs> retweeted back again we're going to frame this for the office you know what a great endorsement <laughs> we've been told we're doing a professional job by the left um yeah so it's um 
yeah, I think it's, it's, it's working relatively well uh, and looking just to have a massive impact after lockdown and get back out at the universities um, and really make a difference. And um, have it, well, I suppose you've kind of done these yourself as well, where you've been at university kind of stands or at least, yeah. How, what is the reception like when, when people are interacting with, with people who are behind the stand kind of thing? So 99% positive. Um, again, it's, it's interesting. Um, so I'd, I'd say some, that we have had some negative cases, but it doesn't really come from students. It comes from members of the public or it comes from lecturers or older people, again, members of the public. Um, so when we did one in Wolverhampton, for example, we had the local Socialist Workers' Party come down and try and pick at our table. Um, and then, so the students, they weren't fast enough. And then like was when we were in Manchester, I said, when we got spat on doing the stand, it was a random member of the public did it, not the actual students. And you could tell because they're sort of going a bit grey and bald, you know, um, or I guess a mature student it could be. Um, <laughs> but unlikely because, uh, again, it's, it's you can get a bit of grief sometimes with some people, but largely even left wingers tend to be you know, they sort of look at some of our stuff. And as we've discussed, most of them aren't used to debating with right-wing people. So they aren't that interested in having a conversation because they don't want their ideas challenged. Um, but we are very open to talk to anyone. We're open to have discussions with people. Um, and I'd say, yeah, it's largely been positively received. Um, universities don't tend to have an issue with us tabling. Um, and actually we're looking to, we have hosted a few events at universities before, but I think they're quite grateful when we did do events that it brought in sort of extra revenue for their bars and cafes. Um, on campus and brought good speakers to universities. Um, certainly what's interesting is the friendliest universities to us have actually been the most left-wing ones. Cause I think really? they feel, yeah, it's weird. So the centrist ones can be a bit more like they make you jump through a few hoops. Um, like York, for example, messed us around for, for over a year. Um, and then they tried to cite why we couldn't have a society set up in York from a tweet, a turning point parody account made. Um, and then they based all their argument off that. So they, we had the meeting, people went in and they like sort of like print out slam. This is why you can't have it because you've said this. And we're like, well, that's not us. They're like, oh. And then because they hadn't prepared anything else, we, we got that ratified. Um, but left-wing universities, I think because they're so far gone left, they need people like Turning Point to operate on campus so they can pretend they're all toler tolerant and yeah. sort of, it's more centrist, but I mean, we did one at Sussex and we got swarmed by an angry mob of about 30 students. This was the one time I'd say we had an issue with the students and it, no issue. We had Margaret Thatcher posters up all day, handing out capitalist literature, not an issue, but we put up a union jack at the stand or a union flag. Um, and it was just like swarmed. And then even the issue, because we went to speak to the SU afterwards and they're like, yeah, I don't understand why you had an issue because it's our, our country's national flag. And then, we, we were sort of saying, well, this is your fault for fostering this anti-British sentiment on campus um, that we couldn't even put a flag up without being mobbed. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's certainly it's good fun doing stand. So I'd recommend to do it, whether it's with an organization like Turning Point, whether it's like with a free speech society on campus, whether it's young conservatives, whatever reform or reclaim have as their sort of youth wing as well. It's, it's good to go and do something. As I said, we do offer free kits for people. So Again, I'm going to plug that. They're on our website. Um, but, yeah, I, was about, I was about to ask um, where people go if they wanted to get involved. Yes, on our website, it's under activism, activism kits. Um, or if you've got me or Turning Point, just message our page and we'll ping you the link. Um, but yeah, we give out those materials for free and very excited for people to hand them out. And they're, they're good fun. It's just I've got like a little badge here. Um, 
So it's just stuff like I'm not a victim and we even got nice, we were accused of being like anti-environment, but it's like we've got a, I'm a conservative. Nice little pun there. But um, yeah, uh, we've got all sorts of um, different stuff um, out there and it's, it's, it's fun. And I really reckon even if you go with Turning Point, if you don't go with Turning Point, use bright visual materials and fun materials that are going to relate to your audience. I think that's something lots of people go wrong with. They print out these like crappy paper, black and white flyers because they're cheap and they hand them out. It's like, you're never going to convince someone's mind with yeah. poor looking content. You've got to look as professional as possible. You've got to, you've got to have it sort of nice, nice glossy finish, nice bright colors and attract attention really. Um, and I'd say confidence as well as the key going back to my earlier point, be confident, talk to people, smile and enjoy it, have fun. Mm-hmm. and actually with turning point you can always like that you guys have kind of like a a brand like a brand almost like you can always tell when it's turning point and that's good because then you kind of build up that repertoire or like that portfolio almost of uh people keep seeing these same kind of formatting of different pictures or quotes or whatever and it it obviously just shows that you're kind of got a far outreach and yeah, it's just good to see because I think you guys are really professional in the way that you um, like are on social media or whatever, in which other, yeah. you know other, other people aren't necessarily. That's probably why other people haven't got as far because they're not. <laughs> as, it's, it's got to be. We uh, say this all the time to MPs. We say it to politicians. Again, we're not party political, um, but we do work with individuals who we think represent our values. And the key is social media in the twenty first century. Yeah. Um, and lots of people think it's still putting leaflets through doors but you know it's like for me I live in the countryside if people put political leaflets through the door that's extra firewood you know so I'm not sitting there and um, and reading them um, again the older generation sure the ones who don't use social media but most people consume their political knowledge off the tv or off of social media and if we're not getting the tv coverage because we've got biased institutions like the bbc we've got to make our own coverage through social media which means having professional graphics anyone can make a meme online anyone can do it with just like um all sorts of different websites use microsoft word and screenshot it for very basic stuff but there's so much of that out there you've got to make professional stuff um and set aside. we give people this information for free we tell people how to make things go viral um again we don't want it just to be our secret we want all conservative groups to do well create good content but again lots of people are very set in their ways and it's frustrating for us to see um, because the left as well, they've got social media locked down. They know how to do powerful images. They know how to get people sharing it and active momentum. Yeah. For example, every time um, so we've been on some of their lists, every time they want their members to do something, they've got hundreds of thousands of people signed up on their emails. They email them like when Boris Johnson does a new post and say, make him know how you feel. Or they say, we want everyone to share this and they just artificially boost their numbers. But there's nothing like that on the right, we don't make an effort yeah. to combat left-wing aggression. The people like Sinn Féin, um, Momentum is like they pay people to sit at home on their computers all day making content, but on 10 different accounts going and harassing people, going and leaving negative comments. Um, and again, we're a bit above that, but we always tell people get involved on social media. We don't say use fake accounts and everything, but if you see um, lots of negative comments on like an MP who you like to post or um, a politician like Nigel Fudge gets stuck in. You know, speak up and make your voice heard um, because that's that's the only way we can sort of fight back against them. We've got to be loud, we've got to be proud um, and we've got to push back and show that we're not scared of being right-leaning, conservative, capitalist, whatever you want to call it anymore. Yeah, I think as well, just quickly to add as well, um, if you follow a lot of left-wing people 
on social media, which at least I, I definitely used to follow loads of Blackpool people, like just friends and acquaintances, whatever. They always come up with these graphics, say like when, even, you know, when this whole sexual um, assault thing, like the 97 cent thing came out a couple of weeks ago, these, these, I suppose, five different Instagram posts, I kept, I saw pop up so many times and they're really they're really good they're really the way that they presented these posts are you know they're eye-catching and they they look good on the feed and people want that do you know what i mean they want they want people they want um things that are just easy to consume like like these posts that i don't necessarily agree with but i can completely agree that they look good and they, yeah they look good on the feed or whatever um yeah so they have definitely the left have definitely got social media down they're, they're ready to go with that because obviously a lot of their base is young so but you know we we put stuff on social media as well and hopefully our stuff is quite um you know eye-catching and jacob does a really good job with the instagram and stuff so we're trying to do that as well and we're trying i think we're trying to kind of prioritize that um just to make it look as kind of consumable as possible well, it's, for the, it, the average eye. <laughs> it, well, anything you can do to give your brand a more professional feel is something which works really well. Because again, I do a lot of the graphics myself. We've got another guy who helps um, as well as our video team. Um, but it's it's just doing little changes. I'm very happy after this to talk you through some stuff if you'd like. Um, but again, the key is just making it as professional as possible. And also being ruthless. If you put out something and it in it tanks, just get rid of it. Um, that's the key to do it. And then you can keep going almost post at peak times. So, you know, it's things like don't post at like 3 a.m. in the morning. Don't post at um, 2.30 in the afternoon because everyone's busy. You know, no one's on social media. Go for the peak times. Go for your middays, your um, 7, 8 a.m., your 5, 6 p.m. You know, it's really good times to post and get content out there. Um and again, we, we run this stuff, um, as I said, we work with some politicians and unfortunately lots of politicians, certainly on the right, aren't very tech savvy. Um, and then it's it's hugely frustrating. You say, if you do this, this and this, it will go viral. And then they're doing a post about like potholes or bin collection. And you just think, why? <laughs> why have you, and even it's like they, they pay to get it made up. It looks amazing. And you think you could have just gone so much harder on another issue. Um, no one's <laughs> going to share that. It's, the, the rule we go for is if if I wouldn't like or share it, we're not going to post it because I think young people who attend are a good, good judge. And you got to think if me or my friends wouldn't post, like share it, why would I make it? And so I try and say to these politicians, no one's going to share something about how great your bin collection is because it's tragic in the nicest yeah. way possible. It's like, it might be really great and it's amazing because you know what, you have got great bin collection, but that's not something I'm going to update my friends on Facebook about, you know, yeah. like, look at me flexing yeah. my bin collection. Boosh. It's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't think any, I don't think any sort of hard, hardcore leftists are going to think all oh, but the conservatives have got better bin collection let's change parties Ooh. exactly um, <laughs> it's not worked for years and years you know like we've been telling them like look how poor labor's local services are compared to conservative air run areas um but most councils in the uk are are labor so people clearly don't care so you've got to got to hit them from another angle while still maintaining your good bin service. So we don't want that to slip because it's a very <laughs> important part of everyone's life, but that's not your main propaganda um, or your main arguments as such. No, and I guess um, the, the last question, which is like a more sort of hypothetical one to, to end, because um, obviously, as we've said, young people have been left-wing for quite a while. Um, so I guess the question is sort of, 
do we ever think that there'll be a generation where the majority of young people won't be left-wing? Is this just part of the course? Is this um, just how it is? Or can we um, ever flip it the other way? Well, I think you've got to think it's only a recent phenomenon that while young people might have always been left-leaning or more compassionate, I th- as I said, I think it comes down to naivety and wanting to do good without sort of the real world consequences and practicalities. Um, I think everyone, once they live through a socialist government for five or 10 years, tax hard to the right in terms of their economics. Um, but you look throughout history, the majority, again, we've largely been sort of a war and conquest nation throughout our history. And the majority of people fighting that would have been young people, it would have been patriotic people, yeah. who would have risked their lives halfway around the world for their idea of the country. Um, and so it's, it is only a new phenomenon. So say the last 50, 60 years, maybe 70 years that people have been more left-leaning who were young. Um, how we fix that, I think is, as I said, it's reforming the education um, and making sure universities are neutral or they receive both sides of the argument. Because um, a lot of the time left-wingers won't let right-wingers speak their arguments. They say their arguments are good at convincing people to vote for right-wing parties. And you think, well, could that be because our arguments are, are right? <laughs> you can see there's some, yeah, there's some merit in them. Um, but I think if we can reform the univer- universities, yes. If we don't, and I worry this government won't, um, I worry they'll get complacent or think, screw it, we don't need the youth vote. But we're starting to see less people when they hit 30 start to vote for more right-leaning parties. They tend to stick with um, Labour groups or Lib Dems or Greens, um, wasting their vote with the Greens and Lib Dems, obviously. But um, it's um, it's where people, again, don't have this stake in society. Um, they don't have a house. They don't have a successful job where people are living for longer. I think we need to manage expectations because I think lots of young people are frustrated. They graduate with a top first degree and then they're serving coffee for a couple of years or starting right at the bottom as an intern in a company. They expect to walk out of university and be the CEO to be on a hundred grand a year, six figure salary um, by the time they're 25. And it's just, it's not not realistic. So again, it's putting a bit of reality back into universities. And I think universities are great at selling, I call them Mickey Mouse degrees. So there's gender studies, so saying that gender studies, you probably get a top HR job now, but you know, it's just like it's <laughs> Liverpool, for example, um, does um, the Beatles studies. So you can spend three years of your life, fucking 60 grand in debt, learning about the Beatles. And that clearly makes you very employable. Um, but there's loads of these sort of pretend degrees up and down the country and you're mis-selling people and you're creating, you're creating again, more left-wing people by selling them these degrees which aren't employable um, because they're not gonna get a good job from that degree, um, which is gonna lead to them being angry and frustrated they're probably not wanting to blame the university or themselves because they just spent a lot of money on a pretend degree and so they'll blame society in less uh the same it's the same with the housing again we need to provide and the government has done quite a good job of providing sort of 95 percent mortgages for first-time buyers um even sort of thatcher's right to buy scheme is great in getting more people on the property ladder but we do need to build more houses um and not just blocks of flats across the country so it's thinking how to do that um so sort of too long didn't read at the end of that i'd say yes um there are sort of um there is potential for the youth of the future to lean back more towards conservative ideologies but there has to be stark societal change for that to happen 
and they have to feel like they have a stake in society. No, that's summed up summed up perfectly. I think. Does anyone else have anything they want to add? Um, I would say the his- history is is a good, if anything, is, is a good example as well. Um, if, you look, if you sort of look back throughout history, it always tends to be that they sort of flip flops. So the younger generation will believe one thing, the older generation will believe a different thing. And every so often that has changed. And I think that hopefully in our lifetime, that change will happen. Um, again, and they'll sort of flip on its head one more time. Definitely. Yeah. Um, there's a saying, it's a bit of a boomer saying, not going to lie, but they say conservatism is the new rock and roll. Um, and again, they're not wrong there. It's the new counterculture. It's the... Yeah it's the new exciting thing to be rebellious is to be conservative, um, you know? And so again, this, this has the potential to, again, what we try and do at Turning Point is we trying to make, again, at the risk of sounding a bit boomerish there, conservatism cool as such, um, to make it appealing to young people, to show that you can still engage in popular culture, you can still have friends, you can still like everything, but you're not this stuffy kid in a suit who go and has afternoon tea every day. Um, you know that sort of thing is there's lots of conservatives who come in in all shapes and sizes all different backgrounds um, and yeah um, you're perfectly right Jackson I think it's that it does flip-flop and so hopefully um, again I think we need to give it a bit of encouragement we will see a flip back to conservatism amongst young people. Another thing just before we finish is to have um, a more patriotic education system we need patriotic teachers um to to you know give those lessons and instill that pride uh, and I, I mean it's not really come up with me much but you know when it when it whenever it does or when it does i will be there <laughs> making sure that my kids no my, not my kids my the cute the kids i teach um you know that we're here and we're proud to be British. We're proud to be who we are and our history. And I'll, you know, always make sure my voice is heard. Um, even if my, you know, colleagues or whoever, future colleagues or, you know, whoever, even if they don't feel that kind of same kind of pride, just trying to make it more of a, a savory opinion rather than what it is now where it's kind of controversial when it shouldn't be. Anyway, that's kind of going back to what we were saying before, but we do need patriotic teachers to, instill those messages of um british britishness british values because british values are taught but not with much passion <laughs> um yeah and it's, it's taught without taught without context as well or pride and again I think it's like the british values um um which i think david cameron's doing where it's like oh british people are all about tolerance and everything so, yeah we are about yeah. tolerance to a degree but we should be pushing a sense of community above yeah. that because our community encompasses it's a tolerant community and uniting behind the flag and pride in our country pride in our history is what british values should be pride, pride in our culture pride in our mannerisms pride in being polite respecting elders um but it's not pushed on it's this watered down pc version of being british yeah. um which is frustrating because as you said we, we need these you're right we need patriotic teachers as well because i think the last study they did it's something like over 75 percent of teachers are left-leaning or they're in the Lib Dems or the Labour Party, vote for the Lib Dems or the Labour Party. And I really do think for a lot of government jobs, you should have to disclose if you're a member of any political party. I think a lot of schools are vastly overrun with left-leaning political activists. Um, The same in the NHS, there's a lot of left-wing activists and that shouldn't 
come into account when you're hiring someone. But certainly if you're trying to run a school and keep it educationally or politically neutral, how can you do that if 95% of your staff are left leaning? You're not going to have the checks and balances. Um, you're not, but again, you, you could still have that where you have someone like Ofsted doing more frequent um, inspections or having a government body you can bounce materials off to check if it is actually um, um, unbiased. Because I think a lot of people, we don't know what our natural biases are anyway, particularly politically. But I think a lot of schools are certainly sort of overrun with leftists um, and leftist thinking. I was speaking to one teacher and he did a, um, a World War One remembrance board and he got reprimanded because he didn't put a white poppy on the board. Uh, he said, you weren't inclusive of everyone. And this is for like primary school kids. And he's like, what? And the head, so deputy head was like, oh no, you need to have a white poppy for those who... Um, was it don't believe in war um it's, oh, yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous um so but that, that that's what we're up against uh, i do wish you best of luck joanna in school i think you definitely fight hard against it but be smart at the same time because while you might get very nice left-wing colleagues you might also get colleagues who don't like the fact that you're right-leaning uh, and may try and do everything they can to catch you out. So, which is not unheard of. We get lots of people coming and confiding in Turning Point saying they have to keep quiet or they've been reprimanded for sharing like um, a right-leaning graphic or, you know, I even have one friend um, in the civil service who got reprimanded recently. Um, it, it was ridiculous. It was about um, people buying designer clothes in a city center. Um, and he got reprimanded for saying, because uh, they said, how can sort of less well-off people buy designer clothes um, who live in the city centre? Because the city centre tends to be more expensive. And his response was, well, why don't they travel outside of the city centre? Because um, it tends to be cheaper on the outskirts of the city. And he got called a classist. He got called discriminating against the, the poor. Because he said, some people can't afford to travel out of the city centre. He's mm. like, hang on a minute. They're buying bloody £60 tops. You know, and you're telling me they can't <laughs> afford a bus fare to um, buy a £40 top. And they still got money in their pocket to go home afterwards. You know, it's... it's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous what we're dealing with but that's the level of he said literally everyone there is treading on eggshells because it's literally like the stasi is running it they're all worried about being ratted out to each other i think what i just add as well is i think we need to be doing what you at turning point are doing really well and that's making like i said information accessible and visually appealing and reaching out to people who don't really know much about politics and aren't these sort of far left maniacs who never really engage with politics before and push arguments across and i think that's what we're trying to do with this as well oh 100 i think it's it's such a important thing to do um and coming from different sources as well because you guys might be able to reach people who look at us and think oh turning point don't like you because of x y and z so it's great to have as many different brands out there as possible all pushing a good strong conservative message um because then we've got the best chance of reaching lots of different people um and certainly as well as we want to make sure people are clued up so when they debate leftists, they don't do what we do to lefties where they aren't used to debating people. They don't have the talking points and they get made to look like, like an idiot. And then they're a viral clip of conservative owned online <laughs> enshrined in history as a mug um, where we, we don't want that. You know, it's like we want to look after conservatives. You want to make sure people have the arguments and sensible arguments as well. Not not stupid arguments or the left, or their, their equivalent of, you know, like orange man bad. You know, we've got to have... Um, and have a solid fact-based um, arguments we can we can which are easily accessible so we can take on the world yes. <laughs> <laughs> no i well, think 
I think that's uh, that's that's been a uh, very insightful. So thank you very much for for joining us, uh, Jack. Uh, it's been course, good to have you on. You can find uh, Jack on social media and Turning Point on social media if you want to stay up to date with what they're up to. I think you're on, I assume, all platforms. Yeah, we're even you. on TikTok. Look at that. So we have no oh. excuse not to follow us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, you can carry on the conversation using the hashtag TOV podcast. Uh, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and we will see you, see you next week. Long live the cause of freedom. <laughs>